I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We cover a lot of ground in the opening of today's show. First, Donald Trump has officially avoided the January the 6th committee subpoena, which is very embarrassing for the committee, and uh, some winning for Donald Trump. Pete Buttigieg is getting torched for having yet another major transportation sector come under extreme duress under his watch. This time it's the airline industry with all these Southwest Airlines cancellations. We get into all that and some of his unlikely critics, which is fascinating stuff for his career and I think a long term for the Democrat Party. Tech stocks are having their worst year ever, which is yet more evidence the economy is in not particularly good shape. Kanye is missing. That's right. You heard it here first on the show, and now people are catching on. And finally, we have an epic woke update today with some bad news for people who don't like child grooming, and that's coming out of Tennessee, and some good news coming out of Florida. We break it all down, plus a bunch more headlines. Our guest today is the one and only Charlie Hurt, one of my good friends and also one of the most incisive political commentators around. We begin the segment with a caller who's outraged by the Borat-like figure Santos, who won a house seat in New York. And then we launch into everything under the sun, from Christmas to the Obama's marriage, which is very bizarre, and the FBI's Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping hoax, and so much more. It's always a blast when Charlie's on. Let's get into it. actually it's going on which is heartening because this is the slowest news week of the year but uh there's a ton going on uh first one some good news january the 6th committee has withdrawn a subpoena for donald trump which is uh, terrific i don't know of any other instance where the january the 6th committee took a l now the the deck is stacked this is very much a harlem globetrotters versus the washington senators is that what it was uh, who's a team that would lose to the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, it, that, that's how it's set up. Um, but somehow the senators won this one. Um, Trump was subpoenaed and he was supposed to testify. And Trump kept running out the clock in the January the 6th committee is going to wind down with the new Congress. And um, they've decided they're they're going to give up on trying to get him in there. Um, and uh, some of it, I'll tell you, uh, the person taking credit online is Harmeet Dillon, who is a attorney, also running for RNC chair. And she pointed out that her firm sent a letter noting that the January the 6th House Select Committee, their subpoena of Donald Trump is illegitimate because he's running for president and he was president. And that's not separation of powers, which we're supposed to have in this country, which seems highly logical to me. Um, I don't know if that's exactly why they did it, but I will tell you that that is a, uh, a very compelling case and something that probably helps her case uh, running for RNC, which is really interesting. We are working a huge story kind of comparing and contrasting her and Ronna McDaniel. And I will say we did not include Mike Pillow. I did not include Mike Pillow, who I believe is running for chair as well, um, but he is not. Uh, we do not consider him a serious candidate, um, but Harmeet is and uh, Rana is, and we're kind of breaking them down. And Harmeet's got an interesting background because she's a very effective online communicator and cable news communicator, and she's got a much more varied history than I think some people might think, um, has been openly pro Amnesty has had some, you know, openly pro-choice uh, until recently was anti-Trump early on. 
And but yet has, you know, walked the walk in terms of abortion by representing David Delighton and um, Center for Medical Progress. And I, I think has had a pretty good career legally fighting some important battles for people. And then, you know, Rana has been on the show, has got a lot of, I think, pretty good answers to things that are challenging the RNC right now, but also didn't maybe get enough W's over the last few election cycles. So uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out entirely, because I think that both candidates have some merit, both have some flaws as well. I'm going to break that all that down for you, Breitbart.com, so you can look into that. Uh, when that piece posts, uh, hopefully today, but I, I got a feeling it'll take a day or two because I think the both of them will be very interested that we're doing that and will want to talk to us about it. So that that, that delays those things. Uh, but big win for her, um, at least if this is to be believed, which I do believe it, and big win for Donald Trump, big win for America. That uh, first time January 6th committee gets a little bit of, uh, I, I think, negativity thrown their way because it just was set up so that they get, basically got to do whatever they want and control the narrative. And it was kangaroo court clown show, but it distracted a lot from, I think, a lot of the bad stuff Biden was doing and make the focus on Trump. And I think that's very useful for the midterm election uh, for Democrats. Trump spoke to us recently with Matt Boyle, and we've been dripping out some of the takes he's had. We had an exclusive that we posted yesterday with him and uh, warning the Republicans of Democrat traps and we have to protect Social Security and we must have three exceptions for abortion, which is rape, incest and the life of the mother. I, I think politically this is pretty savvy. I think a, a lot of us who live online or even live in talk radio world, I think forget that politics basically in this country at a time it used to be, you know, debt, Social Security. Did we go to war? How is Medicare and Medicaid doing? And that was basically all the political conversations. It was relatively recent. I mean, that was um, not going back all that far where that seemed to be the entirety of what people people would discuss and everything else was seen as things that you would trust the pros that people were actually elected or in think tanks to kind of sort out the rest. But those were the basic things people seem to engage in on a regular basis. And um, so his point about protecting Social Security, I, I think as a political football, um, this is one where the Republicans could be could make some missteps here. Because if Republicans are want to reform Social Security, then I think electorally, they don't have the margins to do that. Now, is Social Security sustainable right now? Of course not. It was a system that was designed, I think when it got built, I think Social Security kicked in like after the average age of death, or if not, it was within like two years. I should have this off the top of my head. Uh, but it was basically assumed you'd be getting it for a couple of years and you're gonna pass away on average. And now you get it for you can get it for 30 years. Um, so that doesn't make sense, that's not sustainable. But it is also something that if you upend it, maybe a lot of those baby boomers who tend to vote Republican, who've been paying into the system for their entire lives and are now recouping it, if you take too much of that from them, uh, they're going to turn on you. So that's the problem with the, the narrow margins that we have in our political system is that for real change, meaningful change in some of these issues, someone's going to have to bite the bullet politically. Um, and this is one where, you know, it's going to it's hard to make that recommendation. The same thing with raising taxes on the 47 percent of the country that don't pay any federal income taxes, which is gross. It's gross that we have this many people in the country who don't pay federal income tax. It's not good for them. It's not good for the country. Uh, it is a way for Democrats to buy more votes. 
And it is a way for people to simply take from the system instead of putting into it, which I think is a toxic mentality for all of you. If you're a person in your life who is, if you are taking more than you are giving and you have been gainfully employed by, for you know more than a couple of years of your life, then you are making some mistakes and some miscalculations and you're providing an unnecessary burden on people because you can be self-sufficient in this country and you can pay in a little bit. Uh, I mean, I was looking at my nanny's tax rate. I think it's like close to 20%. So, so what, what is it that, um, uh, how is it that so many people don't pay in at all? That said, if Republicans are raising taxes on people who make almost no money, then they're going to just get crushed even more electorally. So you can't do it. Mitt Romney learned this lesson the hard way. So he was kind of going after the 47% on a hot mic tape, and uh, that really hurt his chances of becoming president. They caught him on a hot mic. It was some sort of a close to the press event where he was complaining about the 47%. And it's just, he was totally right. The problem is you can't say that stuff and expect to win elections. Um, anyway, so there's a few issues like that. And his point about abortion is also interesting too. Because I was thinking about how the thought that that's even a consideration that um, we could eventually get to the point where that is the only exceptions or rape, incest, and life of the mother shows how much progress we're making on the pro-choice side of the movement. Because it is uh, the, the real debate currently is whether or not we should be having third or fourth trimester abortions or even fifth trimester. Who knows? So it's uh, whether or not the 6,000 third trimester abortions should happen is kind of where the debate's been lately. So the thought that it could be, uh, uh, we could reduce it down to these three exceptions, I find to be a very compelling debate. And Trump's probably right on that politically as well. Um, not to say it's easy to be political about human life. I'm, I'm pretty apolitical about it. As I've been saying, I'm very happy that the Dobbs decision uh, came down the way it did and um, Roe v. Wade got overturned, even if it might have hurt Republicans politically, because saving human lives is more important than each and every vote. Uh, but that said, I, I like the idea of Republicans not wasting votes, and I think he's probably right that it's a little premature um, politically for society to do the full outright ban on everything. So it gets complicated, but um, I, I think these are good points, and we've got it all for you with the front page, Breitbart News. All right, a couple other things. Another Trump one. House Ways and Means Committee says that Donald Trump's taxes will go public tomorrow. I, I don't know what the basis for this is. I don't understand it. And they obtained them in November after Supreme Court ruled in their favor to get them. And uh, they're going to be from 2015 to 2021, according to Reuters. They claimed in a report the IRS had not audited Trump for three years out of four years he was president, and the IRS failure to audit Trump apparently broke its own rules. That was the basis for this. So it is, uh, we got some details already leaked out. Uh, I find this to be incredibly offensive. I think that this is a, 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 what's happening in our society is we are trying to push decent people, people who have some humility, uh, anyone who does not feel like getting publicly humiliated every second of their life are going to be kept out of the upper echelons of American politics because we're, we do this behavior. I don't see why tax returns are anyone's business. Um, it is even for people with nothing to hide. I don't know why you would want the whole world to know all about your taxes 
and your tax returns and the years you did well and the years you didn't do well and all these things that should be, we should have some level of privacy in this country. And we established this thing, I don't know how, that all presidents are supposed to turn over their tax returns to the rest of the world. I, I, I've never liked it. I've always been uncomfortable with it. And I don't know what they expect to get out of Donald Trump. What are they going to get out of it other than to humiliate him further and to make the conversation about him more? That's all it is. They're all just trying to find ways to come up with media narratives to destroy him, which is what the media lives to do. But do they do this for Democrats? Of course not. So Democrats have a huge advantage here because when Democrats release tax returns, maybe there'll be a day that it's reported on and they'll be reported straight, maybe two days. Maybe a few of us conservative media will find some stuff in them that are uh, not flattering and then the world moves on. Uh, it is whatever is in these tax returns will be used as a cudgel to beat Donald Trump for the rest of his life. That's how they do it. And I uh, find this to be like uh, the, so many issues we talked about in the broadcast on Tuesday. Uh, we, you know, talk about the facial recognition tech that's, you know, keeping families out of the nutcracker at Rockefeller Center. Uh, it's the we can I understand why people want it because he's president and it, traditionally people turned him over and Trump didn't. And uh but that said, do, do, did we think this through? Are we thinking this through? That we want to make these demands in our public leaders? Uh, is the, the, do we have to know his uh, colonoscopy results also? Maybe. Maybe we should know. Maybe we should know everything. Maybe we should get images. Like, th that's kind of where we're going, isn't it? Um. I don't know how that works for society because I, I don't know. I, I'm sensitive about this because I'm in semi-public life, semi, 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 semi-public life relative to Donald Trump, who's the world's most famous man. But it's the, I don't want to have to endure that level of scrutiny. It sounds terrible. I've got zero to hide. If you guys saw my tax returns, you'd probably say, hey, not bad. Like, I don't want people to have that stuff. And I'm a humble talk show host and blogger. So it's the it just keeps people from I think uh, the, the showing leadership in our society if we're going to keep doing this. I find it to be very disturbing. All right, biggest story in the world right now is a continued travel chaos, even though it's warmed up in much of the country, which is kind of spooky stuff is going to happen in Buffalo because we're going to uncover a lot of dead bodies as snow starts to melt. Um, over 50 dead across the country from the latest storm, dozens in Buffalo in particular. Just heartbreaking stuff and um, is uh, deeply unsettling when so much of our budget is dedicated towards the claim that we're warming the planet and that we witness this stuff. But anyway, there are so many flights canceled, thousands and thousands, and most of them from Southwest Airlines. And basically what we've been told from Southwest uh, is that their tech got overwhelmed. Their system got overwhelmed because there were so many cancellations. And the cancellations begot more chaos. And that chaos led to flights not getting booked. And they weren't booked in time. And they weren't filled up. And they weren't able to match the the passengers with the crew with the pilots with the planes and which i imagine is logistically very challenging if you do the math on it and you have to move pretty fast when the flight's been canceled and they just got overwhelmed and they couldn't handle it and then now we've seen basically an average of a couple thousand flights a day every day for the last few days and it's going to continue because a lot of these people haven't got a chance to fly yet 
So uh, this is um, just every we've been updating it every day at Breitbart News. It's been thousands each last few days, and it just means probably some people miss Christmas. Many others are probably stranded at Christmas, which uh, those of you who don't love your families and just kind of pay lip service every once in a while, touch base once every year or two, really tough on them, probably. I'm joking a little bit, but because uh, I kind of like my family. So um, I like my family a lot, but that's, I guess I'm lucky in that regard. Um, but the, uh, it is not just storm related. It was storm started it. And then the tech really was what seems to be the problem. And it was scary because the CEO apologized to the world, but he hopes the issue will be back on track, quote, before next week. This is Bob Jordan, who is having probably the worst Christmas of anyone right now, CEO of Southwest Airlines. Um, so it is a, a tricky one, but who bears some of the blame? And a lot of finger pointing is being done towards Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary who got a trillion dollar transportation bill last year. And this stuff is still happening despite ample warning, lots of people warning Pete, we did not have fail safes in place. We are not prepared. Our airlines are already seem to be a, a constant source of chaos and torment for Americans. I'll tell you, I had my own personal uh, flight nightmare recently. It was a nightmare, but it was just highly irritating. Uh, I was on a 55-minute flight from Phoenix to Burbank in Los Angeles. It was about a week or two ago, just north of Los Angeles. And uh, we were 20 minutes into the flight and they announced one of the redundant systems for safety or something had failed. And so they returned us to the airport at Phoenix. So we had 35 minutes to the destination. We went back 20 minutes to the original airport, waited a while and then flew out. And, um, you know, that's uh, the, the chaos, the dominoes that fall, that inconveniences my entire family. It means I don't spend time with my kids. It means the nanny stays later. It means she's later going home to her family. It, they, and, and that's from, you know, a, a delay of two, three hours. Now we're talking about thousands upon thousands of cancellations. Obviously, it's not good, and we should be trying to figure out ways to uh, prevent this stuff. And Buttigieg was warned repeatedly, including uh, from people like Letitia James, New York Attorney General, wrote him a letter earlier this year saying that he's trouble, she's troubled by the pattern that airlines are delaying canceling flights. Left-wing activists have been pretty vocal about this. Nina Turner, who's a far-left politician, was saying she's been writing about Pete and saying that he's not uh, cracking down on the airlines whose service gets worse and consistency gets worse because he loves the corporations. Um, and that is quite quite something because the left is pointing the fingers at him because Pete's a corporate guy. Like he's a corporate guy. His big thing is works with lots of corporations and Corden Corporation comes to South Bend, Indiana and, um, you know, working at McKinsey. Like a, a lot of he's a big corporate guy. He's not a left wing based guy. So there's a lot of finger pointing at him. And I don't see why he's not somewhat responsible for this stuff. Where is our transportation improving as a country? Massive supply chain issues. Our ports, we had a port crisis basically in 2021. Um, is the rail service getting better? Are roads getting better? Like, what's he doing other than taking paternity leave? And as I noted, that um, Pete's paternity leave was significantly longer 
than Mrs. Dr. Marlowe's maternity leave while she's training to be, you know, she's in her medical training and actually had to give birth. So Pete takes longer in a, as a cabinet secretary for the U.S. government. And he didn't give birth. So not a birthing person. So uh, there's something to consider. Uh, a, a, a Republican congressman, Wenstrup, uh, Brad Wenstrup from Ohio, made the point that Southwest apparently got $7 billion in COVID money. Is that going to good use? Apparently not. If you got caught up in this, if you were on a private, not private, um, you know, if, if you were if you were going around the country, moving about the country, Southwest has been known to say, and you got caught up in this, I'd love to hear from you because uh, is the sounds nightmarish and we can commiserate on the air if you'd like because I'm curious. It just sounds terrible. Sounds like a total, total nightmare. All right, another plane-related story. Chinese travelers landing in Italy, half of them are testing positive for coronavirus. Coronavirus is back, and it is uh, rampant right now. And the numbers are just staggering coming out of China, staggering numbers. Um, huge numbers in a lot of the uh, U.S. cities. Now, this variant's not going to be as deadly, but I'm concerned, though, if it goes up, it shouldn't be more deadly at all, but this might be more deadly than some recent variants. So, and I don't think that we have any sort of, um, I, I don't know if the jabs and I don't know if the current medications and treatments that are being prescribed, because recall Biden never had an operation warp speed for treatments the way Trump did for the jabs. I, I don't know really if there's anything you could do right now. We're just kind of all sitting ducks and um, China's getting pummeled and then they're flying around the world. So um, we're probably going to start testing yeah yeah we are testing now uh u.s travelers i'm sorry chinese travelers coming to the u.s so if you're coming from china but the problem is is they don't just go from china they stop over i mean they're, they're all, all taking direct flights and are we testing people at our border are we going to are we doing that we're not testing all of them I'll tell you that a lot of chinese nationals coming up to our southern border as well so total mass, our immigration system, we're not on top of this. And it's going to be wildly inconvenient because there's a big surge of the pandemic that's uh, happening right now. Now, again, it won't be as deadly of a strain, but we're kind of sitting ducks here. We're just powerless against it. And we don't even have the curiosity to figure out where it came from. Chinese tourists are flocking to our borders, potentially spreading the coronavirus worldwide. It's not just our borders, other borders as well, trying to come in by other means. Japan and India have announced their own restrictions on Chinese travelers. Can't imagine why. So, a BBC report a spike in traffic of a thousand percent Chinese travel sites. So, trying to get out, trying to get out, and they're going to be spreading coronavirus around the world some more. And we're just don't barely even talk about it. Barely even talk about it until it's too late. Um. Congressman Cuellar, Henry Cuellar, Democrat from Texas, has said on the migrant busing that the places that are getting the bus migrants are getting a drop of what we face at the border. This is so right. Anyone who's been down at the border sees that it is less of a political issue, our open border, than it is a humanitarian issue, not just for the migrants, and of course it is, but it's also for the people who live in these areas and have to work in these industries. If you're a Customs and Border agent, if you are an ICE agent, if you are a, a anyone who is down there in one of the various agencies 
tasked with securing our border, then you'd probably prefer to have a simple day where you show up, you process a few people to claim an asylum, showed up and see, see what they need, see if you can get in front of a judge, make sure no one's got any horrific medical conditions, then you can go home and be with your families. Now, what happens when you've got a, a thousand plus people showing up at uh, some, somewhere in your area and you got to process them all and you know what can't be done. So you know you're working as long as you can. It's going to be arduous. It's going to be confusing. You're going to be out in the cold all day. You don't have any backup because we're underfunded in that regard. It's just terrible, terrible lifestyle. Maybe you're, you get in one of these high-speed chases with smugglers because they do this thing where the cartels, they do these head fakes where they try to trick the agents from heading one direction and then they go there and then they, they, they send out decoys. We witnessed this firsthand. We were down there at our, when we did our Disorder at the Border special um, that came out in 2020 for SiriusXM which I think is still available on the app somewhere. But we saw this where you get one guy runs across and the agents go chase him. And in the meantime, a bunch of other either people or drugs or whatever get smuggled a different part of their area where they're supposed to cover it. Okay, so uh, disappointing stuff. All right, so other big things going on. Tech industry. Tesla stocks are headed for their worst month, quarter, and year ever. It's really interesting that the year that we all decided that Elon Musk was the world's most important man and we couldn't stop talking about him, uh, was a year he lost a, 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 a hundred, over $100 billion? Um, Tesla stock started the year $400. They're at $112 right now. And they might go lower. There was a, a dead cat bounce yesterday, one of my favorite expressions, where they were doing so badly that they actually went up a little bit because it was just too bad. Um, and Musk has told Tesla employees, don't be bothered by stock market craziness. Oh, really? Like, what if most of their net worth was tied up in your company and they lost 70% of it this year? Uh, footage of Tesla owners being iced out of their cars because they didn't work in the harsh winter storm. It's just, could you imagine spending 80 grand on an electric car, whatever it is, and you got to go find these strange charging stations. And then you get to these strange charging stations that are not gas stations as we were intended to do. People, the, the, it is something that is, it is in our DNA that we are supposed to go to gas stations. Filthy gas stations, smells like gasoline. We're supposed to do it. It's part of being an American. But now we're going to these Tesla charging stations and luxury shopping centers or at Whole Foods, and uh, they won't charge. And then they can't get back in their car in some cases. But what's Musk doing? Musk is uh, working on Twitter. Um, oh, we have a clip of that. Oh, cool. Let's play some. Let's play there, uh, Mr. Greg. Go ahead, or Mr. Nico. Do you have a clip? Tesla, Tesla S will not charge in the cold. Stranded on Christmas Eve. miles left before the battery is dead. Yesterday I tried this and it said to wait for the battery to warm up. I have had the car running with the climate control. I tried to charge in my house. It won't let me. So there is no way to charge this battery or let it warm up in the cold. So I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna show you. This is the message I get. Battery is heating, keep charge cable inserted. Okay. It's 111, one hour later. 
Battery is heating. Keep charge cable inserted. 19 miles. 303, almost two hours later. Battery is heating. 19 miles. And it's Christmas Eve. So terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, it's sort of funny and... I love dunking on electric cars and EVs, which I'm doing some deep research into EVs. It is such a grotesque industry. It is just just sick stuff that we've put so much money and effort into this stuff. It's just it's so much grift involved. Um, but that said, I mean, that's sad. You're missing your Christmas Eve, just sitting there waiting to charge your car. Your Model S. How much are Tesla S's going for? Tesla Model S price. Let's see what they are right now. Are they clocking in at hundred grand, hundred thousand dollars, starting at one oh six Model S this year. Sound good? Hundred grand car. We're not prepared for what Biden and Newsom and all these people who want us to be off of the combustion engine in just a matter of a few years. This is the top of the line uh, electric car you can get in this country. You can't charge in the cold. Okay, and what's Musk up to? He's over Twitter. And what's going on, on Twitter? Twitter went down yesterday in a big way. But apparently it's back to normal after it was uh, glitching out around the world. Must be very irritating to Tesla owners. I've got one in my life who is a very committed Tesla owner. Uh, he had a Model S, said it was a love affair. That was literally his expression for it. And um, is so furious with them. Vows will never get another one. Because uh, they're not improving the technology. Well, they don't have a CEO. The CEO is uh, hanging out on Twitter. I'm glad he's releasing old stuff about Twitter corruption. That's great. It serves my purposes. But it's just so strange to have, you know, the coolest company in the world, even though I think the Teslas are kind of not that not not that nice looking, but they're very popular. And um, instead of working on that, working on fixing um, ridiculously toxic sewer of content, Twitter. All right. Um, the metaverse off to also a bad start. Uh, the VR headset sales went down in 2022. So Zuckerberg's big bet where he bet his whole fortune that we're all going to want these VR headsets. We're going to want to have real estate in the metaverse. We're going to have this virtual life where we walk around, we engage with people online, um, which to me just was uh, completely antithetical to what it means to be a human being. I, I think we're moving in the opposite direction. I think people want to get away from the tech. I think people want to move towards actually experiencing life and keeping their tech under control. I mean, I, I, I'm there now. You know, I have an advantage in that even though I work online, I have a lot of wonderful people who work for me and can, can hunt stuff down for me that I used to have to hunt down myself. But uh, I've certainly using the technology less and less, trying to uh, be in the moment more. And Zuckerberg bet everything. He bet it all. That's the it's the opposite. We're all going to want these headsets. And um, they're selling fewer in 2022 than 2021. Which is pretty amazing because if we're going to mass adoption, then he's going to need to sell a few hundred million more of these things. And he's not doing it at this point. All right. A couple other items. And then um, we're going to take a break here eventually. But uh, Kanye has gone missing. Kanye's ex-business manager can't locate him. Okay, where'd you hear that first, ladies and gentlemen? When did I mention it? Was it Tuesday's show or was it last week? But I said, he's gone. We haven't heard from Kanye. Where's he at? I want to know where Kanye is. It was last week. So you guys got it here first. 
All right, we're going to enter a quick woke update here. Whoopi Goldberg has walked back Holocaust comments again. <laughs> She's always talking about how the Holocaust is not racial. So I, I don't know why she feels like it's a really important point to make. I don't know. Does she know if her points are important or not? Because she keeps making these things, keeps having to apologize. Very odd for someone who uh, has the name Goldberg. She uh, is re really important for her to uh, downplay the Holocaust. Happens over and over again. Um, Florida is investigating a drag show for exposing children to sexually explicit activity, which is a crime in Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida is doing something that I think is very important, which is that he's trying to investigate things that are important to the conservative base. Just like how he's investigating some misinformation about the coronavirus vaccine. Now, I, for one, recall Ron DeSantis, how he presented the vaccine to his uh, constituents when it was coming out. And he was very metered about it. He was very informed about it. He was very well studied on it. Never shot from the hip. Still investigating. That's what his constituents want. They want to figure out what's going on and how we got these things forced on us. And uh, we know we can't trust Pfizer. We know we can't trust the government. So he wants to figure it out. Now he's doing it with drag shows. He's investigating the Department of Business and Professional Regulation, investigating sexually explicit drag shows that took place in Fort Lauderdale um, and welcome children in the audience. Uh, exactly what should be going on. This is exactly what Republican gover governance should be. If you're trying to sexualize children, that should be a criminal offense and everyone involved should go to prison. And yet we uh, treat it as if it's just some sort of a trifle. We shouldn't do that. And he's not doing it. He's investigating it. Um, we saw a Knoxville mayor attending an all-ages Christmas-themed drag show with simulated sex acts. So uh, this is a Democrat mayor. Did I need to say Democrat? India Kincannon bragging on Facebook she attended a drag queen Christmas in Knoxville. Knoxville was a cool part of the world. I went there once. I really liked it. it makes me sad. This is what the mayor's up to. Going to a Christmas-themed drag show for all ages. What's all ages means? It means children. Bragging about sexually, sexualizing children. In the meantime, you want to know where the far end of this is. Rachel Levine, formerly known as Richard, a man who cosplays as a woman and is in one of the highest echelons of public health in this country, Department of Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary is calling for censorship of uh, of uh, what he deems anti-trans content, which is really just the truth about child sex changes. So he thinks this is targeting trans, not. He thinks misinformation, but who decides misinformation? Does a guy, is, is Rachel Levine a literal man who pretends to be a woman in charge of misinformation in this country? He would like to think so. All right. New York Times says Little Women author Louisa May Alcott may have been trans. Uh, this is what they're doing. They're trying to destroy the past. I don't know. Maybe they're right. I don't know anything about Louisa May Alcott. But it, this is what the New York Times is up to. That um, the they might have actually been a trans person. That's what they want, want to do. They want to go back and they want to destroy the past. Not just the present. That's really important. Left has always done that. That's how they give themselves the moral authority that they so crave right now and the basis for so many of their terrible ideas.
right, Charlie Hurts on. Uh, Charlie is one of my very good friends, and in the journalism world, particularly when you're happily married and have lots of work to do and have lots of children, uh, I don't have a ton of friend friends. There's a lot of people I'm friendly with, but uh, Charlie is one of the true friends I've got, and it is a uh, always a pleasure when he's on the show because we can go uh, a little deeper. It gets my sense of humor, and we can cover a lot more ground, not just on the political side where he's always sharp, but also some of the personal stuff. So uh, it's fun when he's on. He makes some great points, and we really do cover a lot of topics in a pretty long conversation today. And we do start with a call, and the call is someone who is expressing outrage or faux outrage over what's going on with this guy, George Santos, who basically hoaxed uh, himself into a House seat. And I, I give a sort of snarky pushback against him, and we go back and forth for a bit. And I think it's pretty fun. Then Charlie chimes in, and we take it from there. And it's all pretty good stuff. Let's take a listen. Jake in Washington, D.C. Jake on line two. Jake, what's up? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, I, I want to talk. Yeah? And just how are you? Yeah? Here. I asked you how you are, Jake. Jake, I asked you how you are. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm okay, good. Great. Good to hear that. Good to hear that. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to call the ball here and, and really sit down and talk about how the Republican Party is going to handle the fact that a new member of Congress has clearly misrepresented himself in a most egregious manner, and how does that rehabilitate not only the mission of the Republican Party to restore confidence in government, to restore integrity, and all of these things, and what price the party is willing to pay to just continue to do politics as usual and just try to polish it over. Well, what do you think is an appropriate price to pay, Jake? Uh, it should immediately go to the Ethics Committee on day one, and uh, he should be rescinded and he should lose his seat, of course. Well, but but he, he won. How come the Democrats couldn't stop him? They, they ran against a fake guy and they couldn't beat him. They, a guy completely concocted his entire background and of all the geniuses in the Democratic Party that they couldn't figure this out? I, 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 think, I think that this is exactly what I'm talking about. I don't think running for Congress to represent people and to carry their message forward has anything to do with trying to, quote, beat the other guy through whatever artifice or chicanery you can come up with. I think that that just points to how defective no, but Jake, uh, answer the question. How come Democrats couldn't have figured, have figured this out with all of their resources and all the genius people who run the Democrat Party who are clearly much better than Republicans in moving the levers of power in this country? It's not even close. Uh, how come they couldn't figure out that they got that they let Borat win a seat from them? I actually think they did figure it out. And I think that the accountability measures are applied they to figured the party it out? that sponsored. They got beat by Borat. Borat ran against them and won. It's the, that's pathetic. It's a, you have to admit, it's really embarrassing for the Democrats. If I was a Democrat today, I'd be super embarrassed that Borat won that seat. How, how about the American public? 
I am the American public. Jake, I speak for all the American public. Jake, I, I want because we're talking about integrity here. Uh, how did Nancy Pelosi make a nine-figure net worth while she's been in public service her entire life? How did you get that? Was she honest uh, with the American people? Exactly how she's occurring right now. Uh, what do you mean? What's occurring? By right doing now? The I, I mean, she's thing. she's the greatest stock trader of all time. And I, I want to know how she managed to both be America's most successful female politician and America's greatest stock trader. How did she pull off both of those things? By doing the exact same things that are being instilled and incubated right now. Jake, how did how did Maxine Waters service. get into a four million dollar house outside of her district and still represent her district for and get to the top of the financial services committee? What did she do to earn a four million dollar house and why did she live in her own district? Jake, 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 you're correct. the police of honor and integrity of this country, so I want you to help me answer these questions. I just answered them. How? Explain it. Uh, when you have a moral compass that can no longer function and you can't find north on the moral compass, that means that you are able to do any kind of cultural modifications or norms uh, standard modifications that you wish. That's Jake, the, that's did Bill point. Clinton have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky? Did he? I, 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 I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. I'm done with Jake. I don't want to play anymore. It's it just it, it, why are we also literal? Why are we also literal? All right, it's a good time to bring in Charlie Hurt. Uh, Charlie, I, I I would like your take on the Santos situation, and uh, if it, I'm sure you could. You know my sense of humor, and you could read between the lines that. Uh, uh, no, I don't think it's a great moment for the country. I, I understand people are outraged over it, but uh, if I'm if I'm getting lectured about integrity in our government by Democrats, then I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a, the, the point's lost on me. Yeah, but I don't really get it. I mean, yeah, it's I guess it's like not a he's not he it's not a shining moment in that, but I mean it's like. There are probably twenty of them in Congress right now. <laughs> it's probably twenty so exactly. Like, I mean, they're all leadership yeah, too. He, yeah, he's yeah he's Borat, and that's the best that's the best description I've ever heard of him. He's definitely Borat, um, and and I, my, my my personal favorite is the part that he's Jewish. He's, yeah, he's not one. Jewish. He's Jewish. Yeah, he's, that, that that's a joke we used to make in L.A. People would ask if you're Jewish, and which, Jewish. Which, by the way, yeah. by the way, yeah. I mean we just spent the last five years talking about how you can identify. As a yeah. tractor or a female or a male, you can identify as whatever you want. And this is a guy who just decides he has such respect that that he doesn't claim to be he doesn't complain to be Jewish. He complains to be Jewish, yeah. which is sort of like one step. That, that's like a believable step if you're going to identify as something. But but it, but the thing is, and, and this is the thing that sort of blows my mind. And this is where um, Jake from State Farm is just you know reveals. <laughs> The the, the the profound depth of the, of uh, uh, civic illiteracy that has taken over people, and I don't know what his background is. I, I couldn't. I, I was trying to figure out whether he was a Democrat who was heckling Republicans, or if he was actually a Republican who's embarrassed to have this moron in our midst and all this kind of stuff. But the answer. Listen to the answer. The answer is for for Jake from State Farm is that we need to get the ethics committee on this. What is the ethics committee? Whether you like it or not, this bozo ran a campaign in a district and got elected by a majority of the people 
and he now represents 735,000 residents, state of New York, in Congress. And obviously, those people made the wrong choice. They make the wrong choice. Voters make the wrong choice all the time. They just elected John Fetterman. Joe Biden yeah. is in the White House. Kamala Harris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so, but 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 their answer is, well, let's just put the ethics committee in charge of it. Are you kidding me? The ethics committee is the most politicized committee on Capitol Hill. It's so badly politicized, so broken by politics that they keep reshuffling it. They keep like remaking it, trying to make it less broken by politics. But it's all politics. At the end of the day, the only thing you can do is if is is for voters to unelect people. It's like, it's like the term limits thing. Everybody wants term limits. Well, we have term limits. We have term limits every two years. Go out and vote, and go out and, and make your you know make the case. But these people, they just want to put somebody else in power. You know, they don't like the system. You know what, Jake? The problem, with Jake from Jake, uh, from State Farm, is he's not. He doesn't believe in democracy. He doesn't like the fact that people voted for a bozo, for Borat, to represent them in Congress. And, you know, they can. I, I mean, I would argue they didn't know. And so that's a, that, that is a problem. Right. They'll know yeah. in the next election. Right? And, and heck, heck, in this environment, they might vote for him again. No, exactly, and I said uh, the, I had the same thought, and it's uh, it's interesting because you know uh, I was trying to go through who's on the House Ethics Committee. I don't know the Senate one in front of me, but the House Ethics Committee does does feature Mondaire Jones, uh, Charlie, who you know, uh, Mondaire Jones, big 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 defund the police guy, uh, thinks that abortion is a fundamental right. So slaughtering the unborn, that's that it's really ethical to slaughter the unborn. It's the it's the, it's such an absurdity. Such an oh, he's someone who wants to abolish the filibuster to take more of your guns. It's a bill of rights doesn't matter. But, but, but also S- super ethical guy, even, really ethical person. But but even when they get past all of that stuff, they all they do is they use it to pursue their political enemies. Which guess what? That's the way it's designed to work. That's why the ethics committee has no power or should have no power. It's just a stupid. You know, it's just it's all it is. It's just another lever of power to be used against. That's why the founders designed the system the way they designed it. And um, it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, elections are the only are the one time that voters get you know the, the voters get their say in the system, and and it, and it works. I mean, you know. I absolutely yeah, love. It's kind of hard that to make caught, the argument these days that it that it works well, but I, I, I'm looking at a story, Charlie. I'm looking at a story um, from CNN. More false claims from George Santos about his work, education, and family history emerge. Byline, of course, is Andrew Kaczynski. (laughs) Andrew Kaczynski is CNN's old news editor. He's the guy who's in charge of digging up old news on Republicans uh, to try to embarrass them. And um, but my favorite part here is when this article was published. It was eight twenty-two p.m. yesterday night, December the twenty-eighth. So this is this is the guy whose whole job is to find where the Democrat Party. Uh, misses the mark on some old factoid about a candidate who's a Republican so that CNN can destroy them and not the Democrats. How many stories did, did he do about Joe Biden claiming that, are, that the person that his uh, wife drove out in front of uh, got 
got hit by a drunk driver. How many stories has, has Kaczynski done um, about that story? Or all the other stories where Joe Biden completely manufactures in whole sections of his life. This is a man who, who was denied the president, who was hounded out back when we had actual press, hounded out of the political, off the political stage running for president because he lied about so much. He was such a liar. And he made up so much to the point that he was, he was, he was cribbing entire political speeches from other politicians. He was, where are all the stories by Andrew Kaczynski or CNN or anybody else about the president of the United States, an entire branch of government who, who did all of these same things? And everybody just sort of, it doesn't matter because, you know, he's not Donald Trump. So who cares? We don't. No, right. Matter. Yeah. Well, we actually had a story on Biden's lies at Breitbart yesterday. We we're kind of coming up with some year end content. And yeah, I was reminded that he claimed that he graduated in the top half of his class at Syracuse Law School. Uh, he was 76 out of 85. So it's the but for Biden, maybe that is the top half. Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe he's. Just, no, I think it was like at the he was in the very, very top, he claimed. But but yeah. but, the, but to me, the one the one that kills me the most is that his wife pulls out in front of a of a driver a truck driver yeah and gets and 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 gets hit which is what happens if you pull out in front of a truck a truck um and uh for the rest of that man's life joe biden walked went around this planet telling everybody the man was drunk he was not drunk he was never charged nothing no, no such thing happened and his poor family and of course eventually he died um, with a besmirched name because of this guy in the White House. And by the way, and it is important, you know, it's so easy to look at Joe Biden and view him as a buffoon and laugh at him when he, you know, gets chased by Easter bunnies off the stage to keep him from talking to the press or when he shakes hands with thin air. It's so fun. And I think it was a mistake that Republicans made in the last election. They, 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 it was, a, it was, he's a buffoon. So they just sort of talked about him being a buffoon. He's a liar. He's a nasty, disgusting, evil liar. And, and he, and, and, and you take the case of that, that man, that's not buffoonery. That is destroying a man's life. You spend the rest of the man's life saying that he was a drunk driver? No, he wasn't. He was a truck driver doing his work, doing his job, riding down the road, and Joe Biden's wife pulls out in front of him. Joe Biden is the only person I know. You know, you have children. You know what it's like when the first time you, you look in your arms and you see your, your offspring in your arms. It's, it's a life-altering situation. He's a deadbeat granddad. This is a guy who has a grandchild he refuses to acknowledge yeah, his own true. grandchild. I yeah, mean, Charlie, I don't know. I don't know if you're listening, but this is literally the last thing I brought up uh, right before right before you came on. Um, was a new story out of. Um, I'm gonna pull. I'll pull it back up. We, it was um, Arkansas Democrat Gazette today. The mother of Hunter Biden's daughter is asking the court to change her name to Biden. I think it's basically get Joe's attention. I think that's what it feels like. Is what's going on. And let alone Hunter's attention, the fact that, that, that Hunter Biden, among all the things that he is, he's also a dirtbag, deadbeat dad who doesn't, who's forced by the courts to pay 
to pay, and I assume he's he's up to you know paying. I you know who knows? I, I assume so. But the idea that the family shuns this child and and Joe Biden, a deadbeat granddad, what kind of a despicable son of a bitch do you have to be to refuse to acknowledge your child or a grandchild? There's a special place for dirtbags like that. And, and, and the guy gets a total pass on it. Nobody says anything about it. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me. And, 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 I, and I think it is because he is such a horse's ass. He can't ride a bike. He can't, like, walk up the steps. And so everybody laughs at him, and they think he's just a bumbling joke. Yeah. But, but it, he's, he, he's a bad person. He's a disgusting person. He showered with his daughter, who was apparently traumatized by it. Uh, this is a real sick dude, and 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 you know Republicans have to figure out how to how to how to portray that, and and, and you know, and, and I don't know, maybe the, the great orange vulgarian is the only one who can sort of go toe to toe with these people, because you know maybe at the end of the day, you know everybody says they didn't like Trump because they don't like his tweets and they don't like how rough he is with people maybe at the end of the day the only the reason he's the only republican in 20 years to win the presidency is because he was such an a-hole and he was that person who would just go for the jugular every time and you know you know he he wouldn't be laughing at joe biden as a buffoon he would be uh attacking him as a deadbeat dirtbag Liar. Well stated, Charlie. Epic. Uh, Charlie hurts with me. I didn't introduce him. I should have. Some Fox News, Washington Times opinion editor, off of the book, still winning. And a good friend of mine. I didn't even say Merry Christmas, Charlie. It's Merry Christmas to you. And um, Merry Christmas to you. Did Santa Claus come visit? Uh, uh, Santa? No, he only went to Ukraine this year. It's so he missed uh, my house because he was. <laughs> He was only in Ukraine. There's only Ukraine gets uh, Charlie. Are you? Are you got? You've got a bunch of kids, actually, and I did. Yeah, go ahead. He actually stopped at your house and stole all your porch furniture and took it to Ukraine. You know you my. Um, you just, I, I've concluded, and uh, I don't. No one take my idea, but I've concluded that what I want to do one of these years, I actually want to dress in a full Grinch outfit. And I'm going to have my kids come down while I'm stealing all their presents. And I just think it's going to be so hilarious. I want them to catch me dressed as the Grinch, stealing the presents from under the tree. And right, I want so to film the reaction. This is really amazing. I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not big on the Internet. I don't spend a whole lot of time, yeah. like, scrolling around on the Internet. But I did somehow, it must have been, like, on the New York Post or something like that. There was a video of a dad who did exactly that. Really? I didn't see it, but I, I can't. It's too good of an idea. For I can't, no, let me say it. The, 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 the hate and bloodlust in those children's eyes yes. for the Grinch <laughs> was, like, was like nothing I have. It was, the, it was, it, it, it was watery tears uh, pouring out of their eyes, even as fire was coming out of their eyes. Fire and tears at the same time were coming out of their eyes. And they attacked him, and they began beating on him, and uh, he 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 fled, he fled with with packages. It was it was actually it was traumatizing just to look at it. So I'm just saying, uh, I think you want to be careful. 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost like a game to see if my kids can figure it out, which is a the so Trust far. Me, that's not how they're going to view it. They're well, view but it as... I mean, they're never privileged life, so they're going to have to get get some hair in their chest somehow, Charlie. So I mean, oh, no, maybe hey, it's no, the... I'm all in favor. No, traumatizing children is one of the most important things that that you can that you can possibly do. Yeah, uh, it is. I, I, I played this game a little bit yesterday with uh, Master Marlo I, uh, because he likes spooky stuff because he's four, but he's really scared of it. But he likes the idea of it. So I, um, I yesterday I wanted to read him a story and, and bedtime has been total chaos. And then mostly Master Marlo Jr., who's two and uh, behaves kind of like animal from the Muppets most of the day. Um, he he is a bad he's a bad influence on the elder Marlo, who's more calm and kind of thoughtful about things. And so, but I wanted to tempt them to read a story, and I had selected Rumpelstiltskin, and I had told them that it was the scariest story of all time. And you know, Rumpelstiltskin, you could do it scary, but you know, it's, it's got a happy ending. And this was very colorful, you know, not scary a- animation with this version of the book. And I had tempted him, and he was sitting wrapped, w- waiting for the spooky stuff to happen, and it never happens. And and I told him finally at the end, it actually isn't that scary. And then he said. You're right. It was pretty funny. I really liked it. <laughs> and and it worked. I got him to concentrate because he was anticipating the horror that I had uh, teased out for him. But it, it didn't happen. It was just a nice story. And we had a great so, time reading. Yeah. So I think maybe I, I think maybe the way to do it is uh, instead just to start from from about December 1st and tell them that you saw the Grinch in the neighborhood and he's coming. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like and and that and that every time they don't do something, I, you know that the Grinch was out in the shed. I think he was trying to figure out how to get in the house, and then and then just sort of maybe keep them. It might be the best behaved children ever for Christmas. You, um, could, get, you could like you could you could like get a, a a mannequin and dress him up as the as the Grinch and put him in the backyard, just like, you know, just just for for. Maybe take pictures. To, Catch them on the, the doorbell cam. But to answer your question no, more literally, um, the Santa Santa did somehow leave leave Ukraine, the Donbass region, and he did eventually make it to my house. And it was pretty interesting because Santa just delivered the boys just gorgeous tricycles, brand new, state of the art, oh. just a hundred percent lifetime guarantee. And they had almost no interest in it, but were very interested in the candy canes that uh, Santa had brought. That was the big highlight. And I have just found this very profound. This is the third time I'm mentioning it on the broadcast, Charlie, because I found it very profound that they liked the festivities and the candy and the treats and the decorations and the spirit of the holiday more than the materialism. And then we just spend, you know, the next 15 years of their life trying to convince them that this is actually a really materialist holiday. And it's not about any of the good stuff. It's about, you know, buying a bunch of crap, a lot of it made in China. It really is kind of amazing. Um, did did uh, did Santa have to put the uh, the tricycles together, or did they come preassembled from China? Yes, he did. He did have to put them to, uh, together. And I, it's interesting you ask that because this was a big part of my calendar for the weekend was to make sure that I could reinforce with Santa that the tricycles did get put together. I. I I'd be interested to see. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I've never done any projects with you, but I'd be interested to know how handy, handy you are at, at helping Santa put together tricycles. 
Okay. Yeah, probably more than I look, and especially compared to you, Charlie. And Charlie is a, um, he's a robust person. It's the Charlie could definitely survive the zombie apocalypse for at least three or four days. Uh, I'd make it about 45 minutes, and I, and I, and I need a coffee. Like, I need, like, I just, <laughs> where, where, where's my cold brew? And uh, it's, it's going to be, okay, so Charlie says, because we're talking life stuff. I, I got, I've had a story I've been wanting to bring up, and um, you... Uh, at least from my vantage point, seem to be a very happily married family man. Um, I am as well. Uh, Michelle Obama said in an interview that when they were raising terrorists Malia and Sasha while Barack was launching his political career uh, and and she was practicing law, that she could not stand him for 10 years. Okay. Uh, Give me a reaction. I'll give you mine. Who says this? The same person who goes out in public and talks about her husband's breath. Remember that? Remember she's talking about how he has terrible morning breath? Who does this? Who talks like this? Um, I'll tell you who talks like this. Hey, Michelle, how's your career going? How's that career worked out? We know how his worked out. How did yours work out? It's it's nasty. It's bitter. It's self-absorbed. It's um, and, and set aside the fact that you're talking about raising children, your daughters, like there's nothing, there's nothing you don't put on the table or put away when it comes to raising your children. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the whole point of raising children. That's why they're so annoying. Because everything you think you want to do, you don't get to go to Barbados. You don't get to go to the movies. Because you can't afford to. That's what raising children is all about. And then listen to these people. I hated my husband for 10 years because of stupid children. And I had to say, whatever. How's your career? He was he was very successful at his. Like him or it, love him. Like him or hate him. He was good at his career. I, I was also thinking, what kind of a marriage you have where you can't stand each other for 10 years it's like if i go you know 10 hours of not agreeing with mrs dr marlow on something i'll figure out a way to kind of break through and just say let's figure out a way to compromise our, our worldviews and it just what's how do you how do you live that way yeah yeah because it's not possible you that that's the whole point of it is that you figure like that's like the one that's like the constitution right there that's like the, those are the principles of the founding. You're like, and, and, if, and, 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 and uh, 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 even among reasonable people, it's a, it breaks and you can't figure it out. And it's terrible and it sucks all around. But uh, short of that, that's where you come together. It's, a, it's like saying the Pledge of Allegiance or standing up to put your hand on your heart for the, for the national anthem. That, that's just what you do. You figure it out. But this, what she basically did by saying that, she basically kneeled for the national anthem. It's like, that's the one, you don't, you don't go out in public and say, I hated my husband for 10 years. Who does that? What kind of a sicko? And these people, they're just, they're, they're horrible people. I don't get it. I really don't get it. So what I also don't get, and and I know that they're treated like they're royalty, um, which is 
obviously is going to change the way you behave and will make them not totally relatable to normal people. Um, but who would ever trash talk their spouse, even if their spouse was president and can take all the roasting? Like who would try, I'd be so embarrassed if my spouse went out and said anything close to that. If she if she said there were you know ten weeks where I really didn't like Alex and I was worried about that, you know he was really, really too focused in his career, I'd be mortified. And she says ten years. Yeah, I, I, it's it's baffling. I mean, it, it's it it's a it's a very weak, shallow person who. Who, who who can do something like that? Especially, you know, you talk about a guy who's in public life. There's all kinds of hilarious roasting you can do of the guy. That's really right. funny. That's not yes. talking about his morning breath or talking about how much I hated him for ten years. Just mean. But but here's the and here's the, here's the funny thing. Here's the really funny thing about Barack and Michelle Obama. And this is where because they get treated like royalty. People don't don't say the obvious thing. They're not very smart. They're just not very smart people. She's angry and bitter. She's the the, the first time she's ever proud of her country was after she got elected. <laughs> her husband got elected, making her first lady. That was the first time she's ever proud of her country. Really? That's a really weird. Had, what, had you never thought about your country before that? Had you ever yeah. been out of the country? Had you ever visited another country? Had you ever been to a third world country? <laughs> had you ever been? Did you ever gotten off the cruise ship at, at port, or did you just stay on the cruise ship on your little porch area, looking out at the pretty sea? Did you? I mean, what, 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 and and you know when and if you go back and you read Barack Obama's, you know he was this revolutionary candidate, this revolutionary politician. He's going to do everything, did everything so differently. He thought about. It. He remade the Democrat Party. And then you read his book and you're like, I was, I remember back in whatever, 2006 or whatever it was and being like, okay, this guy's a revolutionary. This is going to be so great to read him. And then I'm reading his book and he was a community organizer. And I was like, this is new. I, I, and what his, the revolutionary new idea was he was going to go, he marked, led a group of people down to the housing department to get free stuff. <laughs> I was like, it's not revolutionary. <laughs> knew about this but because he was pretty and he and he spoke pretty and um he had a interesting biography you know um and he and, and most of, more than anything he was uh he he struck people as trustworthy he just got he got like vaunted up into this into this like royal status and everybody's like oh he's so great he's so new he's so no he's not and he's not even that smart if, if, you know, if you talk to can, me, can you help me, Charlie, can you help me understand why people are so enamored with Michelle Obama? Because I think it would stun people if people realize like she's got a book out now. And I think it would stun people if they realize how many people will buy a book written or allegedly written by Michelle Obama with her name on it. I mean, they'll probably sell a million copies, uh, which is in the publishing world is a, a gargantuan. It'll be the top one or two selling books of the year. It'll be uh, one of the top selling books of next year. Uh, why, why do people, what's the interest in her? I don't think I get it. I think it's, I think it's exactly what you said. It's royalty. And, 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 and by the way, I don't, I, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time bashing them. Because 
No, I'm not trashing them either. Other than I think that no, I, 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 I feel bad for their marriage. Like it's actually a nightmare to me. Like that is, no, no, no. But if, I, no, but, but that is my nightmare. To answer your question, yeah. But to answer your question, I think it has to do with the fact that it's like it's like she's royalty. It's like it's like she's a figurehead. And, and by the way, so was Obama. I mean, Obama was was an empty vessel. Just everybody poured what they wanted into him, right. and. Um, you know, look at how he vacillated on all these positions. Remember, he was he was virulently anti-gay marriage when he started, but then quietly, you know, you know, through sleight of hand, changed all his positions, and then began haranguing everybody for being homophobic because they held the position he held six months before. Um, but but it's because she's royalty. It's because they, she's it's because she's a, just a figure, and she, she's a person over there, and people want to like her and they like her and you know she doesn't have to answer that's why i think if, if she were to ever run for office um i think that uh people would end up with a very different view of her um not that she wouldn't be formidable i think she would be formidable but formidable um you know uh i, I think a lot of that sheen would come off if she were forced to actually Addressing, but then again, you could also say, "Look, you know, look at John Fetterman. <laughs> you know, issues don't matter anymore. Um, it, it, it's almost like campaigns don't matter anymore. It's just, it's just the machine. I, I do think that it's waning, and I think that, but, but all that matters is, you know, the the, the mechanics of all this. And as as who was it Obama or was it Biden who said, you know? What matters is who does the counting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's where it's at. And that's why I think, you know, the, the, the main lesson of the last election was candidates don't matter. It's the ballots. Ballots are what matters. Uh, let me run a one or two more by you. Uh, Charlie Hurt, again, is with me. It's always a pleasure when he is. Um, I, I want to ask your take on a January the 6th committee withdrawing Donald Trump's subpoena. It seems like the first real win against the January the 6th committee that they're kind of giving up on that one. Uh, what's your thoughts? Um, it, it's amazing that it, uh, I, I'm sort of, I, I was sort of startled by the news actually. It's like, you've been keeping the charade going for right, I know. Two years now. Why, why, where did you come up with this? Like suddenly you're going to, to like apply reality to the situation. I, I don't Why, why would you ever like. It's like you you were a you've been robbing the bank with your ski mask all the time, and, and they're like like you were out the door, right? And the police had already run in, and, and then you decided to take your mask off as you're. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. But um, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how Republicans in the House proceed with all of the loose ends from this, and I, I do think that they should pursue. Um, uh, you know, something of it. I, I, I think a, I, I think a big reason that this January 6th thing was so important to Democrats has very has less to do with Donald Trump um, and January 6th than it does the. I think there were real efforts, um, real responsibility, and failings on the part of Nancy Pelosi and Democrats that led to January 6th. And they were so desperate to control the narrative away from those things that that they created this entire 
all this hysteria about this. And 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 I, and I don't you know I don't think that I think I think Republicans have to be careful not to <clears throat> not to overdo it um, because they don't you don't want to be doing something that t- seems like it's totally self serving. But if if there are things to expose Nancy Pelosi for for her utter complete total failure on that day uh, to disarm the Capitol and leave the Capitol vulnerable, I think that I think that that's probably a, a good thing for the historical record, at least. Yeah, I liken it to the Washington Senators actually beating the Harlem Globetrotters because it was all set up <laughs> so that the Globetrotters. Yeah win every game and yet somehow the senators won one which is pretty cool i I was originally for keeping the committee going um and it's a calling our our own witnesses and you know trying to just fight fire with fire but i think then the margin in the house is going to be small enough and you know everyone is out of money so it just felt like maybe it's time to well so the other thing is and and this goes for for the um for the other stuff like for the hunter biden stuff and the laptop stuff and and all that kind of stuff. You know, Dem- Republicans, there's there's this huge wealth of, of opportunity for Republicans to talk about what a dirtbag Hunter Biden is and what a dirtbag everybody is. And, you know, <clears throat> and Joe Biden who's showering with his daughter and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, anything that doesn't uh, go to the heart of the corrupt Biden administration um, in, enriching themselves uh, by selling American foreign policy and selling American citizens out to China and to Mexico and to Ukraine and all these places, anything that deviates away from that simple point is going to end up hurting Republicans. They need to remain every time they open their mouths about any of this. They need to talk. They need to draw a direct line from what they're pursuing and how it affects the American people, whether it's gas prices sending billions of dollars to Ukraine, opening the border with Mexico. All of these, all of these deals are done. All of, the, all of these policy positions are based on corrupt relationships that Joe Biden has with these foreign countries. And, and Republicans have to, every time they talk about it, they need to go back to why this matters to a, a single mom in Georgia trying to feed her children. And if they deviate away from that and they talk about how many Skittles uh, Hunter Biden can put on his um, member, then you're going to they're going to they're going to get themselves in trouble. Did we ever get to the bottom of that question? Did we ever answer that one? Um, Charlie, Uh, I I, I lost count. um, The. Uh, it's 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 a one that I've been had on the tip of my brain for a long time. So thank you for bringing that up again. Uh, last one for today, and this one is odd, and I don't know if you've given this any thought, but a man got nearly 20 years in prison for a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Barry Croft. Uh, this was all an FBI op. So why is this guy getting jail time? Like I, I, I guess did he give the FBI the idea to do this? But it's, it was all a big hoax. And then, so how is a guy getting 20 years in jail? I don't think I fully understand. Yeah, it's and, and it's a really tough one because um, you know it's not a I, I don't see how it is a political winner for Republicans to pursue these cases and it's, it's the same goes for people who did like uh, you know did serious things at uh, at the January sixth riots um, 
you, you know, you, and, and they've been pursued as if they're mass murderers. Um, the, the problem is they did do things that were wrong. Um, they don't deserve what the FBI has done to push, to, you know, in their effort to politicize everything. And so it's, it's a, it's a, uh, politically speaking, I'm not talking about, you know, I think the FBI should be abolished and I, I, that's a considered opinion. They should be abolished. Yeah, we should start over again. Absolutely. But, um, but from a political standpoint, Republicans have to be careful about um, spending too much time on on these very important matters of, you know, they need to rein in the FBI, but but they have to be careful about making a cause celeb out of these people, simply because politically speaking, it's um, you know, it, it can't be allowed to, to happen in the future, but going back and 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 relitigating these cases is a, is a tricky it's a tricky business. But but like I said, I, you know, I, there's nothing more important than that because uh, because you know, these people have utterly corrupted the Federal Bureau of Investigations and turned it into something that you know line agents don't want. Um, you know, it's a, it's a complete hijacking of justice in this country for political purposes and executed yeah. it as, in the most vicious way by the most powerful political people in this country. It's really uh, You said something super interesting that I don't think I've heard anyone else say, though I've thought this a lot, and I think the audience can kind of tell I feel this way, uh, that, you know, I don't think we have the full picture of what happened on January the 6th. I think that it is was way exaggerated by our media and, of course, this kangaroo court. And, you know, I watched all the footage and it was terrible, but it was they did what happened with Charlottesville is they took something that was kind of bad and they made it seem like the worst thing ever. I recently had a conversation, which I will try to air on the show, uh, with a guy named Darren Beatty who shows up on Tucker's show quite a bit who's mm-hmm. been the top reporter on trying to tell the truth about what happened on January the 6th. And it's, it's compelling. It's riveting. I, I have no idea how this is a political winner, though, for Republicans to talk about it, which is sad to me. Um, because I'm, I, I kind of, my business, Charlie, and yours too, to some degree, or a large degree, we're all trafficking in human attention. It's the, if you only have so much attention you could pay to the news in a given day or a given year, and we got to be, it's a budget, and we can't overdo it on stuff that's not going to get us anywhere, in my opinion. You can feel free to disagree on that, uh, but it is, I think the more January the 6th talk we do, typically the more we're losing. But it's also fundamentally unfair that that was so oversold. This Whitmer plot, which seems to be more the FBI's doing than the conspirators doing, and yet still talking about it feels like one where you know what are we going to get out of it? The best thing you can do for present, past, and future political targets of the FBI and this entire machine is to remove Democrats from power, to remove the people who want to weaponize the FBI, remove them from power. And the way Republicans have to do that is by talking about things that matter more to people. And so I I think it's important not to to focus your political energy on that. Like you say, there's a a, a limited attention span of people, understandably. And that's the way, that's why we're a republic. That's why we're not a democracy is because people have lives to lead and they have jobs to do and families to take care of. 
They don't have time to get into, under the hood on all this stuff. That's why they elect representatives to go and do it. And so the best thing, the best way to curtail these uh, excesses of the FBI and, and uh, Democrats in power is for them to be removed from power. It's the only answer. And in terms of sort of vivifying these things and talking about issues, making issues important to people, you know, I hate to go back to it, but, you know, the only Republican in the past 20 years, or actually the past 40 years, but the only Republican to actually use it to get elected president of the United States in the past 20 years was Donald Trump. And he was very effective at taking these issues. I mean, you know, I, I spent 20 years covering uh, – illegal immigration and so i knew I, I know all this stuff like chain migration but i and i would laugh with my my nerd buddy Stephen dinan who's the best immigration reporter in the country um about you know he would use like chain migration in his stories and i'd be like nobody knows what chain migration is and and then you know donald trump was running for office not a year and he's so popularized, and he's so, he drove the ball of chain migration so deep into the, into the public consciousness. You'd go to rallies, and people in the back would go, chain migration, talk about chain migration. And then Trump would do a whole <laughs> riff about chain migration, and you'd have 25,000 people on their feet cheering because he was talking yeah. about chain migration. And, and so, you know, we have to get somebody, we have to have people who can... Make this stuff important to people. It's got to break through. And, and you know, I, I get all the reasons to, you know, how Trump has been a, a disappointment in certain ways. But at the end of the day, show me somebody who's better than him at talking about chain migration and making people care about it. Charlie Hurt, I don't know we're going all day. And uh, maybe we should, but I do have to take a break. And I want to appreciate you for your time. He's on Fox News, Washington Times. Pick up his book, Still Winning. Thanks, Charlie. Always good to see you, buddy. Happy New Year, my friend. I got American parts. I got American faith. In America's heart. That's today's broadcast. Thanks so much to Nico and Greg Sahakian for producing the show. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And I do hope all of you have an amazing new year. We'll talk to you next year. Thanks for listening. And I want-